This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that's putting its hand up to be Prime Minister of Australia. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me as always is Dr. Nirvan Mahanti. G'day, Doc. Good day, Captain. How are you? Mate, I... So here's the thing. I'm pretty well, but as we record this, we don't yet know who in a couple of hours' time is about to be our nation's Prime Minister. I thought you were going to be one. Well, I'm not entirely sure I won't be. The, the, the field is so large, I figure if I put in a late... I can almost drive to Canberra after this, and if I get there in time, perhaps... You have a chance. By the time this goes to air, I will be the nation's Prime Minister. It has been a bizarre week, right? And and this is for a couple of investors who frankly have a lot of earnings season stuff to get through without the, the politics and the other carry-on. The, the, the people at the AFR are very busy trying to cover both. It has been a bizarre, bizarre week. So it's a difficult thing to have this conversation because by the time I said this goes to air, the decision will be made. But I have to ask you, what on earth do you make of the current political ramifications? And I, we won't talk too much politics, but the reality is that A, it's all anyone else is talking about, and B, we need to work out whether it has any implications for investors. Um, okay, so without without taking any sides, can I, can I, can I just say this is ridiculous? <laughs> there is no such thing. It's, it's, it's ridiculous that you you'd have so many prime ministers in so many years, so five prime ministers in five, five years. Five in five years. Um, Isn't that you know, the, In many places, you know, uh, in parliamentary democracies, the, um, the terms are four and five years long, <laughs> uh, and prime ministers do survive for four or five years. We are having difficulty with three. Uh, Those I, are the days, I, mate. Those I, are I the think days. the politicians need to have a good look at, you know, the mirror and basically decide, well, you know, can, can we please... Uh, give some stability, some uh, have a policy that uh, sort of, you know, the. Uh, yeah. I think markets, industries, businesses, they all like um, uh, stability. Mm. <laughs> uh, chaos is no good. And, and I think, uh, yeah, from that point of view, it's, 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 it's definitely a lack of uh, any clarity. Which it is, is bizarre. Which is, it is bizarre. bizarre. It, I mean, again, we, people know probably by the time this goes, uh, goes up on the, on the appropriate streams, but uh, it is just it is just bizarre to me. It's hard for me to try and work out exactly what the members of the parliamentary party are kind of trying to achieve out of this. I, I don't they know all want a, to be prime minister. Well, <laughs> almost quite literally. There's not many that aren't standing yet. Like, I, I almost feel like the ones who aren't putting their hand up have to take a good hard look at themselves. If you're yeah. not putting your hand up now, you're never going to be prime minister, right? There's no chance. <laughs> and, and it's still that sense of, I can't work out whether it's ideology or it's it's... Uh, pragmatism around the election that's really driving this. What I do know is that everyone we talk to, literally without without exception, is just over the whole palaver and can't work out why they haven't just simply said, here's what we're doing, here's who we're doing it with, and, and let's get on with it. There's very much a sense that, again, this it, it feels to me like electoral suicide, right? There is just a, a very strong sense that how do you how do you go to an election after all this stuff and say and by the way trust us to run the country? Yeah, absolutely. It's just strange. Now, mate. So let's let's move on from that because frankly we've all had enough of it. But I have to ask you, in the context of the investment community, in the context of the stock market, do we care? Does it matter? How are you thinking about investing in the context of a the uncertainty of who's prime minister? And then kind of as a result, there's a decent chance, at least according to the polls, that we have a change of government as well as a change of PM sometime in the next few months. On the base of that, how should we be thinking about investing? 
Well, I mean, you know, we have a change of government every three years anyways, right? And some, uh, well, we have been having a change of uh, PMs uh, faster than that, <laughs> a change of governments, let's say, every three years. Right, right. In, in general, what I think is that, you know, we, we live in a, a economy that's doing well. We, we have entrepreneurial people in mm. this country mm. and, you know, things are moving along. We live in a very globalized world. Um, so I think as, as long as businesses continue to have the opportunity to excel, I think uh, we will be fine. Now, there are certain areas where I think government policies have big impact, like, for example, energy mm. um, and, you know, what, what people are thinking about climate change and so on. And those, right. you know, policy factors have uh, impact both over the short term and, and over the longer term. So I think in certain areas it can have an impact. There are other things like, for example, you know, if, um, if there's a policy, for example, to reduce the number of uh, immigrants coming into the country, then right. that can have an impact on GDP growth and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there can be impacts uh, in terms of bigger uh, policy changes. Uh, but uh, broadly speaking, I haven't seen um, over the last say, 10 years any substantive change that's been caused because of, uh, you know, policy. So policy has been more or less consistent, at least, you know, maybe things could, could be better. Right. Uh, there's always the risk that someone does something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, but, yeah. So I think, you know, if you're a long-term investor, I think you can believe that, you know, Australia would do well and the global markets would do well and people will do, you know, innovative things and we'll mm. all get to enjoy the upside. It's it's interesting to me too. I have to say, we, often the presumptions of the market around what a what a prime minister or in the US a president might do for a particular industry or a particular technology is is kind of illustrative, right? So back in the Obama years, it was supposed to be the glory days for solar and the glory days for renewables, and yet there was kind of a, a in fact, I'm pretty sure during the Obama presidency, there's actually a negative return for those sorts of companies. And I think there's a tendency we have as humans to somehow try and draw a direct line between the leanings or policy views of one particular administration and the results or, or frankly, you know, <laughs> profitability of the companies that may or may not benefit from that. There's a there's a very fuzzy line mm-hmm. between the, the, the policies of the administration and the results for the businesses themselves. I, I didn't agree with that. I mean, over the long term, I think there are certain things that, you know, have helped. Like, for example, if you look at the U.S., the, their investments early on in science yeah. and research have helped them. But, yeah, over over the, you know, over the medium term, maybe short term, it, it has. You you can't really draw those conclusions in any meaningful way, I guess. So, the that being said, you've mentioned renewable energy. You mentioned energy. We talked about franking credits in the past, and, and we have another question about that for next week, which we'll touch on. But in that context, do you have a particular view as to uh, what a different administration means for your investing? How, how are you? How would you think about it? And again, without wanting to ask you, you know, which government or, or uh, opposition you prefer, but but just straight out, if there was a change in government, would it change the way you invest or change what you invest in? Well, I mean, well, okay. So I, I think if it changes and there we know what the policies are and one can make an informed choice, then. Uh, then yeah, I mean, you know, one could think about making changes, but you no, know, without knowing anything, I wouldn't change anything. Um, mm. e- even the franking um, um, credit policy, I mean, it's a policy; it hasn't been enacted, right? right. I right. mean, until it is enacted, we don't really know. We don't know how many people are going to vote for it. Yep. You know, um, yeah. Uh, my my own, I mean, belief is that you know, I, I tend to think about individual companies and 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 if the individual companies are doing good things and you know and i also try to think that you know many companies their market is just not australia right the market yep. is the world yeah so there are many things happening in the world as long as the world is chugging along and you know we are uh, 
um, growing the world economy and, mm. you know, mm. people are getting out of poverty and, you know, more middle people are joining the middle class and things like that. Well, I think, you know, I can participate in that prosperity by investing in good companies. Okay. So but that's, also, that's, that's what I do, at least. There's also businesses like Commonwealth Bank or AGL or uh, there are businesses that are just purely Australian domiciled. Do, would, you, would you have a different approach for those people? Those companies? Yeah, yeah, so for many of those, like for example, the banks, like, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not invested in any of the banks, um, largely for many other reasons, including right. property, right? But, but not for uh, political reasons. But not for political reasons, but, you know, but I, I think they have some, uh, I guess, um, headwinds in front of them, which is, mm. you know, um, not necessarily a political creation, right? I mean, it, they could be impacted more if, for example, you know, there's a slowdown in the economy because of, uh, certain political actions, right? And and you know, but but you know, I'm not invested in them, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. The same thing would same thing would be uh, true for energy companies, right? And again, if you know, if you're believe if if you're investing, hoping that a certain action will be taken and that's not taken, then you know your thesis is broken, right? Again, I'm not invested in energy companies, so it doesn't really mm. matter to mm. me. So many of the companies that I look at, you know, I tend to think of them as you know, are global companies, yeah. and, and therefore, yeah, sure, it, it doesn't sure. really, you know, some of these things wash out. So. If, if you yeah, well, for those of our listeners who are who are invested in AGL or in the banks, let, let's let's put aside whether they should be or not, which is we shouldn't yep. put aside. We, that's a that's a very worthwhile <laughs> conversation. But you know, should they be should they be worried about the changes in, or the potential changes in politics? Or would would you suggest they should change their view based on what we're seeing? Well, I, I think the banks uh, overall, I mean, are as I said, they have headwinds. And if the headwind is is increased for any reason, uh, things could, could <laughs> become bad, right? Yeah. And and you know I think you know maybe there's a reason uh, to be concerned. Again, right now nothing mm. has happened, right? Mm. We mm. don't know what the policy is, right. and so uh, right now I wouldn't do anything. I'd keep a close eye, okay. and if if I was investor, I'd keep a close eye. And if I thought that there's going to be something uh, that could potentially uh, you know rock the boat, you know. Uh, get us closer to a recession. We haven't had one for 30 years or something yeah, like that, yeah. right? And if some PM is trying to get us there <laughs> fast, just try to you know break the record, um, <laughs> then uh, then maybe you know bailing out before uh, before it, it makes sense. Again, these are hard calls to make because you know um, mm, very it. difficult calls to make because you know yeah. even if there is a policy that may seem like it's going to cause something, it may not cause it because something right. else happens. Right. Um, it, it just, I, I guess to me is the question is if it is too much risk for me, yep. I would sell. Okay. Right. That's what I would do, but I don't own them. So <laughs> that, that's my qualified answer. <laughs> Very good. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's move off politics just for, for my sanity and everyone else's sanity. And let's... We, I, Bizarrely enough, I mean, look, who, who runs the country is, is more important than most things, so it's worthy of discussion. But in the circus that is Canberra, we can put that aside for one second. It's the middle of earnings season. And so while the pretenders and would-bes and wannabes and currently ours, but not for much longer, while they do their thing, companies have been delivering billions of dollars in profit for Australian shareholders. And I want to touch on some of the big ones, mate. There's a couple of things that have been going on this week. Mm-hmm. One actually isn't earnings at all, in fact, but it's a big, big impact on what's uh, on some share prices over the last five days. And that is movements in the tech, oh, sorry, telco sector, I should say. Yes. So we've seen, I think TPG closed up, was it 14%? Was it higher than that? 17%. 17%. Or even Telstra was up, which I know makes you very unhappy, but makes me happy because oh, I own shares. Telstra. 
Uh, but uh, but, but H- Hutchinson, you're forgetting Hutchinson. Uh, right. So that's the story. So so tell me what happened during the week to drive these share prices through the stratosphere for the first time in a very long time. Hmm. Well, it's good for good for people who are holding, and I'm happy for you because Thank you recommended mate. the shares. I appreciate that. Thank um, you. So that's that's great. Tostra and TPG, happily. TPG. We won um, twice on that one. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it's good for our members. I did, as try, well. and, I did try and tell you. I'm on record on this podcast saying people should buy Telstra. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. You're just counting your short-term beans here. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the, the long-term beans are declining massively. I've got to get a short-term win when I can. Okay. So uh, what happened is um, news broke mm-hmm. that TPG is talking to Vodafone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're thinking we're doing a merger of equals. Right. Okay. Now, this this is not surprising. You know, um, when uh, I think I was working with you um, over at Sharevise at that time when we recommended TPG, and you know, this is something. Oh, you're we, claiming some credit now. I'll, so I'll I see what's some, happening here. I'll claim some credit no, here. Fair enough. And, and we talked about this, and we talked, you know, this was something that was always on the cards because, yep. after yep, all, um, I mean, um, Vodafone's uh, backhaul for yep. uh, fiber is being provided by TPG. Yeah. So they already have a relationship. Yep. And uh, I think here, what is happening maybe I would say the Mr. Market is maybe jumping the gun here mm-hmm. okay that's interesting <laughs> and, and that, that's my take okay tell me why uh, Okay, so the the share price is going up basically suggests to me that you know um, um, the uh, the market is saying that well the competition is going to become less or the market is going to become going to become less competitive right. to some extent. Because so there's, there's kind be- of four major players now. Mm. It, well, there's only really three in mobile: it's Telstra, Vodafone, and Optus. Yep. But very, very soon, TPG turns up. Yeah. In broadband, there's kind of a million players, but there's only really four or five big yep. guys. Um, and at some point, they're saying, well, four players feels like a pretty competitive market. If all of a sudden there was three again, that should be better for the incumbents, right? Yeah. Well, so, so 50% of the, uh, the NBN broadband is owned by Telstra. Right. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, like TPG is at 25%, Optus is at 15% or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have a you know, slightly different uh, distribution in mobile. So... This is this is assuming that the merged TPG Vodafone entity is going mm-hmm. to play nice. It's yep. like you know we are kind of <laughs> like a, a duopoly, triopoly, or whatever it is, and but you know we we're not going to undercut cut each other and things like that. And right? you think that might be a little bit of an ambitious expectation? Is uh, that I, right? I think knowing. Well, <laughs> not knowing, but seeing what Theo does. Theo's the CEO so of David Theo, uh, yeah. David Theo, the CEO of uh, TPG, worth a fortune too, billionaire. I want to say yeah, he's a multi-billionaire. He's doing okay, and and you know, I would expect that he is going to continue price war. Right. <laughs> so, which might continue to be good for uh, consumers, mm-hmm. uh, but may not be as good for some of the telcos as the telcos are assuming. At least that's my take. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know that there's this take that, you know, in every developed market, you know, every major developed market, like, you know, there are like three or four major yeah. players yeah. And, and they all play nice with each other. They try, you know, um, that may happen. Uh, Theo, though, looks like a different, yeah. Yeah. A, a different beast. I could, <laughs> if I may use I, the word beast, <laughs> I completely agree with you. I think uh, you bet against David Theo at your at your absolute peril. <laughs> I, I think he's shown himself to be prepared to shake up and recreate effectively markets. He's done that with uh, TPG. They bought IONet as well, so that's yep. in the TPG stable. Um, they have they have really revolutionised what happens in 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 broadband internet, particularly cutting prices. Most specifically, he's also been prepared to go and invest some money to effectively create a competitor to the NBN in some particular metro markets. And so yep. th- there's a very much a story there. I'm, I'm a bit, look, I've got to say, I agree with you, mate. I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see Telstra's share price rally, but I wasn't expecting it. I don't really think it's justified, at least for yet, at yep. this point. What I will say is that I, I, the only thing I would, I would hold out is 
we expect there's there should be competition in every industry. That's what the government's there to make sure. Uh, we've got to make sure there's no collusion or, or gouging of, of consumers, and that's that's what ACCC and others are there for. I would argue that while I think you're probably right about David Teo, the banking sector is relatively good evidence of a sector that's happily, cosily kind of um, not exactly cooperating, but not exactly competing. Mm. That, that sense of the banks are all making a very, very large amount of money. Largely, they all move in concert. Again, not I'm not suggesting any collusion at all, but when one puts their rates up, everyone else does too. So, you know, if, if your job as a business is to maximize your profit, at some level, once you get to a certain scale, it's actually in your interest not to cut prices, but actually increase prices if your competitors do the same thing. Yeah. And, I, and I would say for what it's worth, there is a, I can see a scenario where David Teo says, great, I've now got 20% of the mobile market. I'm happy with that. And everyone puts their prices up and everyone makes a lot of money off, off consumers, um, totally at our expense. The, the, the mm-hmm. flip side is obviously that Teo does something different and, and goes hard against just taking as much market share as he can possibly gain. There is a, there is a rational profit maximizing point for every company. It's, it's about stealing share to a point. Yep. After that, it's kind of about maximizing price. And I think there is an argument a la the banks, um, even the supermarket retailers to some degree, where you know pricing, in fact, the last four or five years is much more like the telco market. Before then, it was much more like the banking sector. And mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a possibility that we yet see some profitable oligopoly evolving in the telco market. It's it's possible. And and the other thing is that there's Optus, which has got, uh, you know, like, say, you know, mid-teens kind of share, right? right. So maybe Optus is the one that loses uh, in, in in this game. The yeah. shares sort of move towards maybe TPG and Telstra. And then they actually you have a duopoly instead yeah. of having, you know, um, yeah, I mean, that's possible. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, the market's reaction is like, you know, uh, too soon. It's a little and, you know, bit, a yeah. little bit optimistic. Premature. I think it's, it's the relief rally idea, right? Of like, yeah. oh, thank God it's not as bad as we thought. Maybe just yeah. maybe there's a reason to buy some yeah. shares now. Modly full money. Mate, let's move from telcos to tech because the other big, well, I was just say the other big movers, the movers in tech were so much bigger than telcos, it almost made them invisible. And in a normal week, TPG up 17% is the headline story of the week. Yeah. Yet we saw some of these tech companies up 30 plus percent in a day. And I think... Was it Wisetech was like 50% in a week, I want to say? So Wisetech, I think, had two days where it had double-digit rallies. Isn't that phenomenal? Yeah, All right. So tell me, just we don't want to spend too long on it because some people don't, some people don't, but give me the quick rundown of tech. What what happened this week and what the hell is going on with share prices? So some, some of the big tech had, as you said, huge rallies, mm-hmm. right? So Wisetech, which is basically a logistics software company, they provide software for uh, you know managing your shipping, like the shipping for companies. It doesn't right? sound the most exciting high-growth industry it, in the world. It, it doesn't sound like a high-growth industry in the world, but you know, hey, um, they had what like a forty four percent jump in revenue, <laughs> amazing, uh, which is which is huge. Yeah, um, and, and and I think that's a part of the thing is they you know also hit the guidance and basically said that we can continue growing at this rate for a long time, um, you know. But but the net profit is only up twenty eight percent. So I mean, when you yeah. look at the net profit being up that much, it does look like okay, how how the hell do you get? 50%? So profits up twenty eight percent, yeah, and shares are up fifty percent. Fifty percent. Again, I know my first reaction to looking at this is maybe there's a high short volume and <laughs> short covering. And no, that isn't high short volume. So, so very quickly, I'm going to just quickly dive into that for yeah. listeners who aren't aware. If there's a large amount of shorting in the market, in other yeah. words, people betting on the share price going down, yeah. they're kind of hoping the results are bad. When the results are good and other investors start buying shares, they realize they're on a losing bet yeah. and they want to get out as quickly as they possibly can. To get out of a short position, you have to buy the shares. So, you ironically, you actually add to the buying pressure, right? So, yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone's stampeding. The people who think it's great are buying. Yeah. People who thought it was terrible but are wrong and are also buying. buying. Yeah. And so, you see what we call a short squeeze where the share yeah. price pops meaningfully because everyone rushes for the exits at the same time. 
So you're saying that was what you thought might have been happening, but yeah, in but the that's, event that's wasn't. not the case. The, uh, at least uh, based on the, you know it was it's very low short volumes. Right. I don't think that's the case. So people are just excited about tech. I mean, I mean there's reason to be excited. This is a software company. Right. Um, there's another company uh, called Alt Altium. Yes. Uh, which again had uh, again uh, I'll just say that's a recommendation. Some of our services. Yes, it is. Um, which had what like a 26 percent revenue growth. Yeah. <laughs> but but they turned the twenty six. This is this is a slightly different story from Wild yeah. Stick. They turned the twenty six percent revenue growth to thirty four percent profit growth. So they they're you know juicing yep. the the operating leverage in the business. Now I'll try and explain. Altium makes a it provides cloud software for people who want to create what they call printed circuit boards. So yeah. the uh, I just Doc is you're you're, a, you're an expert in tech. I'm going to try a layman's version. This mm. will be wrong, but only correct me if I'm horribly wrong. Okay. Um, they basically design the chips that are created to go into other people's computers and devices. And they, the software allows them to effectively create some version of that from a um, – uh, they kind of lay, allow you to design the, the boards that are being printed and made by somebody else. Yeah. So I'm going to correct you there <laughs> <laughs> because that, that is an incorrect description. Oh, come on. To pa- pa- partly. It's partly. Close. Partly. Oh, right, right. So, so they have the software that other people use right. to design the boards because people – Sorry, that's d- what I was It's a different yes. company. They provide the software. So, so they provide the software. Yes, yes. So it could be a company like Apple wants so to – So that's what I said. Yeah. Beautiful company oh, like right, Apple right. wants to design oh, something. Oh, here we go. Uh, they use their software for the printed circuit board. Right. Um, so a lot more people are using it. Revenue is up. Profits up even further. Further. You know, it doesn't cost you to make sell more software, right? Shares I mean, through the roof. Shares went through the roof. Again, was up 30%. Um, this company is, is is doing well. They've got some ambitious targets. They set 2020 targets, which is for over 200 million US in revenue, yep. which is huge. Um, I think there was something. There was a there was a highlight here, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Which was, they they did really well in China, and and okay. I and and I think that's important largely because there was a lot of piracy in the past right, in okay. China okay. With, with their software, so they were not able to monetize. But now they're able to monetize. So it's a sign that the Chinese market is maturing to some degree, and rather than using pirated versions of software, <laughs> exactly. Chinese producers are happy to pay out for their good pay, stuff. Yeah, or Chinese big companies are happy to pay okay. uh, for using it, which, which is a good sign. Yeah. And, and and therefore the market opportunity is sort of increasing, uh, right, which right. which is great. So again, that was that was interesting. Now uh, talk to me about Afterpay. This is this is the <laughs> this is the revol- the retail revolution of the last twelve months. Yeah. It also turned in some pretty good results. Yes. So okay. So I'll quickly explain what Afterpay for our uh, listeners who don't know what Afterpay does. So, so Afterpay basically not as many of those left. I think everyone's using Afterpay. Oh, well, probably. <laughs> so everybody knows what Afterpay does. But Afterpay is basically, as you say, you pay later. So you, uh, as a consumer, want to buy stuff. Um, you go to a retailer who is willing to take Afterpay, yep. and you basically you know uh, buy it using Afterpay. The retailer gets the full funds yep. from Afterpay, Afterpay mm-hmm. and you, the consumer, basically are going to pay an installment. So I buy my 100 buck pair of jeans. Just Jeans gets the cash immediately from Afterpay, yep. and I pay 25 bucks a week for the next four weeks. Exactly. Right. And and in return, um, the, the merchant is paying a cut to Afterpay. And to some degree, that's not unusual. They pay a cut to Visa and Amex and yep. MasterCard and everyone else for the privilege similarly. So the, the, the model's not exactly broken, but Afterpay get more than the credit card companies, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. So, so one of the things here is that you know uh, they, unlike credit card companies, they, there's no credit checks here involved. I guess right. to uh, to get the ability to have the credit, yep. which which is I think fueling um, the growth, and and they've been growing like leaps and bounds. They were like hugely up in terms of a customer count, in terms yeah. of number of transactions. Well, it's kind of a credit card for those who don't have credit cards, right? If you're if yeah. you're a 16 year old, 18 year old, you haven't got a job or a credit card, or maybe you have got a credit card and it's maxed out, you can you can convince a retail to say, well, give me the jeans now, I'll pay you later. Yeah. 
that's kind of opening up a new segment of consumption. Though it's bringing forward purchases to some degree. It's a provision of some sort of credit. Yeah. To people who otherwise wouldn't have got credit or wouldn't yep. have got that much credit. Yeah. So, so it's a it's a market. I guess a new market that they have invented. Right. And there are other people who have sort of invented these markets. So they had recently announced they're going to buy a company in the UK, which is essentially doing something very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, they have announced an expansion into the US, which yeah, is a very large market compared to ours, right? So if they can get anywhere. Uh, as right, close attraction right. as they got here, so the excitement there, I think, is that and that's the big story, yeah. That's the big story. So if they can get the, you know, anywhere closer to traction that they got here, mm-hmm. then you know, uh, um, you know, this can do really well from here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still, I think, I think with this company, there's always the risk of regulation. So I think that there's regulatory, there's regulations that govern credit card companies, and the question really mm-hmm. is, why shouldn't those regulations govern? Right. Afterpay. Now, the answer at the moment is because the credit laws only cover companies that charge interest. Yeah. And because Afterpay doesn't charge interest, they kind of get through a pretty truck-sized loophole in the laws. Yeah. But, well, it, it doesn't take much to change those laws, right? Well, only if the government wants to. And <laughs> at the moment, the government seems a little preoccupied, as we mentioned. <laughs> no, the government is busy. Modly full money. All right, mate. So, lots of tech excitement during the, during mm-hmm. the week. That was pretty good. Not every... It, it's it's very tempting. If I if I was a newspaper journalist and I was running a headline, mm-hmm. the headline would be "New economy grows, old economy shrinks," because we saw the likes of Flight Center and Ansel. So Flight Center obviously provides accommodation, travel bookings. Ansel, ex condom maker, now mm. makes mostly medical protection uh, equipment. They um, make uh, gloves, right? But also a whole lot of other bits and pieces. You know, yeah. lots of lots of kind of protective <laughs> stuff. Mm. Both of those businesses fell during the week. So is it a case of? New economy good, old economy bad, or is that too strong a generalization? So this is an interesting one. I mean, you know, so the Tech Flight Center, for example, right? I thought the results were actually good. I agree. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> so the results were good. So the, they so, grew strongly, right? They, they was grew, it fifteen percent profit? I think. If I, let me have a. Quick I'm making quote. that up. Um, no, so they were like nine percent up okay. in terms of total transactions. The total transaction is the total number of, I guess, the total dollar value of uh, stuff that people bought yeah. through them, right? So yeah. that's tickets. Hotels, the valuable, yeah, the valuable. Yeah, valuable. Yep, yeah. So I mean, that's that's up, and I mean, um, that's good. You know, they had a record profit. You know, a record profit of nearly three hundred fifty million dollars, or things like that. So, right. Um, they had some struggles in 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 the local market, but they're you know doing well in um, other markets. So, mm-hmm. so you know, Americas, for example, they're, they're doing well. Um, so he, it's hard one to tease out because what we have seen it's. If your profits grew, say, 30%, mm. um, does that mean that your share price should go up 30%? <laughs> <laughs> that, so, and, and that's on the back of some very strong performance from, from tech. So right. I have a couple of theories. One is that um, there is natural excitement about tech. Okay. Right, people, you know, uh, talk about tech. There's a lot of tech noise in, in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and investors want to, you know, cash in on it. Mm-hmm. And our tech sector is small. Yep. Right. And then if, if you have a small tech sector and then if you have, uh, you know, fund managers with the restrictions in terms of, you know, what they can invest, <laughs> yeah. where they can invest, right. how big the company has to be, it further shrinks, right? right, right so right. If, if you have a fund manager who says, okay, I only invest in companies that are above like, you know, <laughs> half a billion dollars or a billion dollar, that reduces the options. There's not many to invest in, okay. <laughs> that, that basically means there are like three companies or five companies that they can invest in. So they're all piling in into that one. Yep. Um, so part of that, I think part of that is, is a piling in or sort of, you know, herd mentality 
going on. Yep. Um, the other part, the reality is that some of these companies, um, like TechWise, Tech, for example, they have like very uh, low customer churn. So the number of customers leaving is very low. Right. So if your retention rates are very high, then you can monetize them over very, very long periods of time. Right. So, so that's kind of the question, right? Because I think those who those who like tech companies or high growth companies, more, more importantly, although they're often the same thing, will often say that human brains can't really think in those exponential ways. We have We have trouble trying to think about the end result. If I said to somebody, if I grow up 20% a year for 10 years, how much bigger am I in 10 years' time? Yeah. Most people can't really easily conceptualize that number. Yeah. You kind of go, well, maybe 200%, which is kind of just adding them together. That's right. But if you compound 20% for 10 years, it's something like, I want to say, if eightfold, tenfold, something like that is, is yeah. the so if, you're, so if, you're, if, you're, if you're doing 20%, you're like, we're doubling every three years or so. Right, right. Right, roughly. <laughs> That's a lot of, uh, right. you know. And, and only, it's not like yeah. doubling three times in six times. It's literally going from one to two to four to eight to 16. Yeah, exactly. So the exponential value of that, that's yeah. that's how people do justify high PEs when they work. Yes. The question is, are these companies justifying those PEs? So this is a hard question to answer. And and the mm-hmm. reason I say it's hard to answer is there's a lot of factors here, right? I mean, you right. are basically paying up for future growth, right? What we don't know is what the interest rates are going to be, right, you right, know, right. five years from now, what the what the state of the economy is and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, sure. So if you don't know the discount rate, you don't know really how you can discount how much discount should you be paying for the future value the future. that yeah, you're going to yeah, get? Fair enough. Yeah, um, That's one thing. Um, yep. Some some of these companies are are are, are really good uh, in terms of having unique uniqueness. So, like you know, Wisetech yeah, is right. an interesting example because it's, it's it's once you've locked in customers, it's unlikely you're going to lose them. Right. Um, you've got many pieces in the puzzle, so so that's good. And they're acquiring customers at a good rate. You add those together, and exactly. That gives you some sort of decent long term yeah. growth rate. So I think these are good. I I, I would personally, I'd be cautious mm. of paying too much, mm. uh, just because you know you know sometimes the market gets coming really from big. you, mate. I'm surprised you're normally the guy who says valuation is not too big a deal. Just just get on, get on the good companies. Yeah. What's what's changed here? So so. I, I think personally, I, I, for me, mm-hmm. as an individual investor, my investing um, universe is the world. Right. So when I look at the world, I, th- I see a lot of other company opportunities. If James Bond, the world is not enough, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> so James Bond is not enough. But for, for me, so for me, the world, world market there, there, is enough. There's James Bond, then there's Doc, and then there's, I, I'm, most of my investing is in Australia. So there's a, there's a stratosphere yeah. somewhere there. So, okay. so uh, personally, I find... Higher growth companies yeah. with higher retention rates at much lower multiples. Right. And I invest there. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. And, and so on uh, a relative basis, you're saying Australia seems expensive for those tech companies. Yeah, on a relative basis, I would say very expensive. Some, some okay. tech companies are very expensive. Are they too expensive to invest in? Well, so it's like this, right? I mean, if, you're, if you've decided that you're only going to invest in Australia, yep. then, you know, on one side, you've got the banks yep. not growing with mm-hmm. lots of headwinds. You've got the miners, which, you know, is a commodity industry. Um, would you, you know, you're better off probably investing in high-flying consumer discretionary you know, stocks or uh, high-flying uh, uh, tech stocks, which have got a long runway for growth. Mm. You're probably better off doing that than investing in the banks. That's my take. If you expand mm. your investing horizon or you're buying ETFs, you could you could do well by investing elsewhere. Interesting. That's my take. Value stocks. Market. Stock market. Index. Share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. I hear in the distance a noise. Ah. Ah, that's the one. My only disappointment, Doc, is this week, it's not my high horse to climb on board. It's yours. And as much as I resent that, I will hold mine for next week. In the meantime, though, 
you've told me you want to rant about the perils of making promises. Yeah, well, okay. An earnings earnings season (laughs) special high horse. Tell me the story. Okay. Saddle up, mate. Saddle uh, up. I'll saddle up. So we all make promises. And, you know, one of the things I've learned, this is, you know, lear- if you're married for a long time, you learned this, that you should only make <laughs> this those... Is, prom- this, isn't, this isn't the marriage kind of, you know, yeah, confessions but, podcast. Yeah, but, just- but, 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 but okay, this is okay. very related, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I think CEOs can take a lesson maybe from their own managers. Okay, right? okay. Only make those promises that you can... If you say you're going to buy the dinner or you're going to have a good <laughs> dinner party or you're going to not forget your anniversary, you better not. And, and is, it, is this coming from personal experience or are you just drawing an well, analogy I, here? I, I've made mistakes <laughs> in the past, like, like I'm sure other people have, or not, you know, not, not me, oh, not you. I'm perfect. You're thankfully, perfect. But I, I understand other people have made mistakes. Oh. Luckily, my wife's not listening to this, so she can't <laughs> say otherwise. Which is good. I, I, I better own up. What if she listens? Right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so CEOs, exactly yes. like all of us, yes, make promises. Mm-hmm. So every, you know, when they release earnings, they say, okay, we did this much mm-hmm. in the full year. We're going to do this much, or okay. next year we're going to do that much. Right. Right. Now, um, uh, so unfortunately, I recommended a company uh, called Arc Group, uh, which used to be Arc called. Group. Yeah, it's a funny name. which used to mm. be called Melbourne IT. It's, a, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's an IT services company. Yep, yep. And and in the half year results uh, or in the full year results in February, they actually report full year in February. Mm-hmm. When they reported uh, full year uh, earnings, they you know projected certain amount of earnings growth. Mm-hmm. Right. Then, come the half year report, which they just reported, they basically said, "Oh, I'm sorry, we can't make that up." Mm. Right. And, but because we're not able to make, you know, make, uh, make our guidance, mm-hmm. we're actually going to give you a forecast not for, not just the, the near term one, we're going to give right. you a forecast for next year and the year after. Why? That's, a, that's what I think is bizarre, right? <laughs> I mean, when you can't make, when you, when you can't keep your promise, mm-hmm. <laughs> you made six months ago, <laughs> why would you promise what you're going to do a year from now and two years from now? Okay, we are long-term investors. You know, you could say that, you know, we're going to try to increase our market share, right? right? I mean, you know, if you told me that, uh, you know, we're going to try to increase our market share, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to position the business right. and not give these these hand wavy numbers then mm-hmm. i think you know it would make more sense if you give specific numbers and you can't meet them then you know you're a bad forecaster you should just stop forecasting and and this is not just you know about our group but a lot of ceos do that okay but shareholders want to, to be devil's advocate shareholders want that so they want it they're saying look i own the business sure i own some shares but i've got a day job i've got other stuff to do you mr ceo mr ceo you're the expert here you're running the company it's not unreasonable is it for me to ask my manager what is going to happen in the business next it's it's unreasonable to expect to have clear-cut forecast for what's going to happen next six months. Mm. And I think that it's just being too short-term and it's basically trying to take the business and try to run it for a short-term. You know, I'm going to make things happen every six months mm. and I'm going to make them happen so that I get, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hit my targets and I get my bonuses. Surely and that's not what's driving people, is it? Well, I think that's driving a lot of CEOs. <laughs> I, I think I read somewhere that a lot of company CEOs think that by law they're supposed to provide yeah. um, uh, guidance. There's no such law that I know of that no, you know. Not. There's an ASIC did not say go provide guidance. There's a depressing amount of you know. It's partly that it's partly there's just a depressing amount of ego involved, right? People who think they can predict the future because yeah. somehow they are the CEO, and so either they should or do know something, or they have powers well beyond understanding that somehow they know these things the rest of us don't. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's bizarre. I wish less number of CEOs did this, and you know. But unfortunately, it seems to be that it's the norm to actually have guidance. As much as I hate agreeing with you, mate, I'm going to agree with you this time because I think you're dead right. I think guidance is an absolute waste of time. There's a uh, a quote, I think it's from John Kenneth Galbraith, I think, 
which says pundits forecast not because they know, but because they're asked. Mm. And I think that's pretty true of CEOs as well. If they just all shut up and go on with doing their business, there's a very fair chance we end up with better results and frankly, just less messing around, right? Exactly, exactly. All right. Yeah. I reckon that's it, mate. We've got to the end of an earnings season and political season podcast. Hopefully this time next week, things will settle down just a little bit. Before we go, don't forget you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast, and we think you should, through iTunes or your favourite Android podcast app, particularly Android because that's the uh, iOS of choice. Mm, And if you like what we're doing, please give us a (laughs) five-star rating and tell your friends. We're sure they can use a little foolish straight talk too. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. We'll be back next week with another dose of Foolish Insight. Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.